Welcome back, everybody, to the Voices for Blogging podcast, where we have Faces for Radio and Voices for Blogging. You can find us on the Podbean app, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you find your favorite podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at Voices for Blogging. As always, in Los Angeles, California, there's Roy Samano, and here in Honolulu, Hawaii, this is Steve Lee. Today is May 12th. I'd like to say hi to all our listeners in New Zealand, Australia, Japan, the UK. Royce, we're growing, baby! (laughs) Wow, international (laughs) audience. No kidding. Thank you all for listening. So, a lot's happened, Royce, since the last time we recorded. May 12th, the day after the big... Crypto crash. Yeah, the, the, the big big whatever we want to call it, right? Everything's down 30, 40, 50% from all time highs, maybe even more. Uh, and we have a special guest as well. Yeah, we're gonna bring in up we're gonna bring in the dragon, Ken Ye, into this conversation soon. Uh Royce, you wanna share a little bit about some of your personal exploits though in, in the last few weeks? It's been an interesting last few weeks. Personal exploits. Yeah, you know, you've been, like, to, you've, been you've been home yeah. to Hawaii, you've been to Coachella. Uh you I got know, COVID. You got COVID. <laughs> Apparently oh, not related God. to Coachella, but still, you know, it's one of those things. Well, the, the the jury is out. The jury is out on that, definitely for sure. But uh <laughs> yeah, COVID was it, it took a couple days. Um definitely flu like. Uh, except for the big headache, but uh, Tylenol saved me. Yes, definitely something. Definitely something you want to have on hand. All good, feeling good though, no problems. Oh yeah, I'm feeling good now. Just that I haven't worked out in like two weeks, two and a half weeks, and I got the double whammy, so I'm feeling it now. Oh yeah, that's all right, man. Way to get back to it though. Trying. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, let's get back to the, the, the probably the biggest reason for the episode tonight. You know, we always talk about, A, we're not here to give you financial advice. We're here just to share our ideas about things that are happening in, in for the financial world, in this case, the crypto world. We don't want to come across as just being cheerleaders or anything like that. We're just talking about what we see, how we see it, how we feel it. Um and I, it, a lot's been going on, like you indicated. And let's take this moment then to bring in our guest, Ken Ye. Hey, what's up, guys? Ken, what's going on? <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Again. Thanks for being on, man. Again. <laughs> for, the, for, the, for the manyth time. <laughs> By popular demand. What can I say? Popular demand, dude. Absolutely. So, you, so have you been following this whole Terra Luna excitement i guess uh yeah i've been following i've been following you know it's hard i think one of the hardest things to do it when you're an investor is you you tend to want to tune everything out when things are going down right unless unless of course you're, if you're short but i mean as, as a good investor you have to stay tuned even when markets are down you know like as depressing as it is watching a train wreck um, it's still important to kind of keep on top of everything. So I've been trying to do that. This this thing has been like so awful. I've never seen any, I've never seen an entire ecosystem 
just be destroyed in the matter of a couple of days. I mean, you, got- you, you read you read the post on Twitter and the post on Reddit, and it's it's still sad. Like people lost a ton of money. Right. But on this I think it was built to fail. I mean, it you know the int- it's it's not built like you know USDC or even Tether. You know, there there's an escrow with you know hard assets in in you know again with with uh, with Tether is a little bit different, but like USDC, you know that's that's built with you know US dollars and and an escrow right. that contains mostly cash cash equivalents. But with stuff like Luna, you know a lot of their liquidity is you know backed by their token or you know with ust right with terra us terra is is backed by their own token and of course if that token you know crashes then all your security is gone i mean they, they talk about over collateralization right using their tokens but you know that's only as good as how steady that collateral is right if it drops by 99 percent, which it did right then then you're gonna have like major problems which is exactly what happened yeah, I mean, the, the problem, like, the, you know, I don't like algorithmic stable coins. And it's not because I don't think that they can be successful. It's just that they're okay when, you know, things are working well. It's when things don't work well when, you know, you can have catastrophic failure. And that's kind of what happened here. It was basically a spiral. It was a downward spiral. Yeah. Because you're right. Like, all the, like, UST was backed by basically Luna tokens. Right, right. Okay, it's, guys, before before you guys get deeper into your conversation, because you guys are going to go off the deep end with some of this stuff. Let's uh let's kinda let's kind of let's kind of simplify a little bit and, and let the audience know, especially the ones that are less experienced, know what you guys are talking about as far as you know if they haven't been following the Luna thing, uh they 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 might be just holders of Bitcoin or Ethereum and they're just seeing it dump and they don't understand what else is going on there. So essentially what the what what happened with Luna was we, we saw a protocol fail. And it's something where you're going to see some keywords, guys, where people are talking about stablecoin. You've heard us talk on the show about stablecoin, but the stablecoin in Luna is a little different than the stablecoin that we've been talking about in the past, like USDC or Gemini dollar. So can the two of you kind of encapsulate a little bit more about what you're talking about, how different the stablecoin was in, in Terra and in, in more in more. I don't want to say less, te- less technical terms, but in terms where the audience can kind of understand that this was a little different situation than something that goes on with USDC or Gemini dollar. Well, maybe we could step back a little bit more and just kind of talk about fiat currencies first, right? Like US dollar, you know, the you know the US dollar is backed by the US government, right? So you know the Federal Reserve and and you know the the country, the the sovereignty of, of the United States guarantees that that dollar is. You know, it's backed by the government. Right? It's backed by a bunch of guns. And yeah, it's backed by, it used to be backed by gold. Remember, it was back in the yeah. Day, it used to be backed by gold. Yeah. It used to be gold. You know, the, the gold standard, right? Um, but it, you know, of course, somewhere along the line, we switched and we, you know, it was no longer backed by gold. But you know, when you look at cryptocurrencies and stable coins, you know, and, and you look at how those things are built, right? What's really backing a stable coin like? US Terra, right? UST, which is the, the token we're talking about, you know, the, the, the token, you know, created by, you know, Luna, right? And if you look at what's actually backing that uh, stablecoin, right? It's just Luna tokens. So, you know, I, I mean, of course, there's other stuff in it, but, you know, it's really the belief that 
Luna tokens are the Luna organization, the, the tokens behind that stablecoin is viable, right? And it's over collateralized. So that's what they kind of they kind of sell you with that, right? They're like, oh, you know what? Based on the current price of Luna, you know, this, you know, price the price of Luna could drop like 99% and we'll still be fine, right? The peg will still be maintained. And of course, as you saw what happened, you know, Luna tokens dumped, I don't know how many percent, but like is it ninety nine percent? Something like oh, that. It's ninety nine point nine percent. But the, what the reason for that is that they're printing a ton of Luna now. Like there's like three trillion, I think, right now. Oh my goodness! That that oh. have been uh, that are you know in circulation or whatever, and they continue to print more Luna to try to get the peg back to a dollar. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's it's inflationary I and. I mean, we, we've seen this. Isn't the first time we've seen this type of stablecoin? Well, I think Royce mentioned the algorithmic stablecoin, where where an algorithm kicks in when uh, the stablecoin loses the dollar peg, right? In this case, you know, stablecoins are pegged to a dollar, so whenever it goes below a dollar, uh, the protocol sells Luna tokens in order to compensate, right? For for to put more dollars into the peg so that it maintains the one to one ratio. And I think in this case, it just spiraled out of control to a point where it just became worthless. So can you compare that to how, let's say, USDC or Gemini dollar keeps theirs in line with the, dollar, the US dollar? Well, it's so dollar it doesn't dollar lose its Right. So when you put a dollar into like USDC, they take your dollar and they give you one USDC. And that one dollar stays in their escrow. So when someone redeems a USDC for your dollar... You get that dollar back from micro. That's in, that's in theory how that type of uh, stablecoin works, like USDC, Gemini dollars. There's an escrow that kind of holds the assets that you put in to get that uh, token, in. and then you can burn that token and get that you know dollar back, right? Uh, of course, it's a little bit more complicated because in these escrows, the, you know, these uh, like for example, USDC and in Gemini dollar, they don't like keeping their like when you put a dollar in, they don't like to keep it in the form of a dollar. Because the dollar doesn't bear any interest, so you know it's kind of depreciating, depreciating in a way because uh, you know of, of inflation and, and so forth. So in order to like, you know, I guess to maintain the dollar's value, they try to invest it by buying stuff like the U.S. You know, very, very usually very stable type of investments like you know U.S. Treasuries, thirty-year Treasuries. Um, things like that, you know, maybe they'll buy like mutual funds, like very, very large cap mutual funds. Um, so when you look at the escrow, like at USDC, for example, like Coinbase, um, you, you know, they get audited, right? They're supposed to be audited by, you know, different auditors to make sure that the stuff inside their escrow is, is good stuff, right? Like dollars, maybe treasuries, maybe municipal bonds, you know, stuff that bear interest that are low risk, but stable, right? And, you know, and so like when they look at that, they go, okay, you're, we're good because, you know, there's a good amount of cash in there. So if you want to redeem, there's enough cash in the escrow for you to redeem even large amounts of money. And if ever they needed more money, they can always sell those treasuries and get pretty much what they paid for it back, right? Except it's bearing interest. So they'd rather, you know, have an interest bearing asset in the escrow. But in the case of like US Terra, they don't have that kind of functionality. It's just, it's just fate. It's backed by faith in Luna tokens. It, 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 it's, oh, no, it's back, it's, but it's back. It's so it's back. back. Essentially, it's back by a cryptocurrency 
whose value can vary a lot more uh, than if you were just pegged to the U.S. dollar itself. Right. Yeah, right? it's it's backed by a volatile asset, right? Correct. Correct. And it tries to mean it tries it tries to maintain its peg from to the U.S. dollar by a burning and minting process, usually. Correct. But but it's all done via you know code. So it's a different mechanism. It failed, obviously, and it it is continued to fail, as Royce mentioned. That it's down ninety nine point nine percent. I mean, it's, it's it's done. Like, it, I mean, there is no so, well, coming back, is there? I think the reputational damage is done. They're trying to right. now uh, define a path forward by minting a new coin and distributing that new coin versus people that you know to people that. You know, he held Luna at the time before the crash or had UST or whatever it is. But uh, I, I think it's going to be hard to come back from that reputational damage. Uh, the other thing is that there were a ton of other apps that were built on this platform. Mm. And they're all down, you know, 70, 80, 90 percent from from their you know previous price as well. And can you it's name just, which one those are? Can you kind of point I, out which think, one those are? Uh, you can look on the website, but like Anchor Protocol is probably one of the bigger ones that's known. Okay. okay. Hey, hey, Royce, you know, yeah. So there's another big uh, stable coin, and I don't, uh, you know, Magic Internet Money, right? Which is kind of an algorithmic stable coin as well. Um, so their their peg is fine. They're still at a dollar. They're still doing okay. Um, what's your take on that, Royce? I'm kind of curious what you think of, of MIM versus Terra. Like, why do you think MIM? kept his peg during this crazy wild ride, but Terra didn't. So I don't, I don't really know the details behind MIM that well. I haven't really looked into it that much. I don't know if there's been like a massive like run on MIM that I can think of in the past, other than that maybe during that whole time fiasco. So like the, the only algorithmic stable coin uh, that I'm, you know, more knowledgeable about is actually die. So die follows uh, kind of like a similar, like a similar. Yeah. It's like a similar, it's like a similar mechanism. They actually have a community that votes on, you know, I guess quote unquote safe assets to keep in their uh, treasury to mint die. But the way that die works is that you put in your collateral, right? Say F and I think you can borrow, you can mint die up to like 60% of it or 66%, somewhere around there, depending on what the community defines. And basically when your collateral goes down in value to some threshold, uh, you either get, you either have to put in more collateral, pay the die back, or you get liquidated. Right. The difference yeah. between Luna and die is that Dai is based on Ethereum, and you know US Terra is based on Luna. And as you can see, when you have such a volatile asset like Luna, which could crash from like six hundred dollars to like less than a penny, you know, the likelihood of something like that happening to Ethereum is much lower. Now we've seen some crazy wild swings with Ethereum too, but nothing I, like that. I mean, we absolutely have it. I don't want to make sure. I want to make sure everyone understands. We're not making light. If, if you guys were. If anyone listening right now was in at Ethereum, let's say at thirty five hundred, and you saw it plummet by by half, essentially at the at the low uh, yesterday, I mean, as we speak right now, Ethereum's up back up to about twenty one hundred. 
is starting to find some footing. Hopefully, this is where it's going to kind of start its move back up. Uh, but you're right, Ken. I mean, it's different because it's, it's, it's an asset that has a little more backing, a little more strength, it seems. But it is still a very volatile asset. I just want to make sure I point that out to our audience. And we're yeah. not saying like it's yeah. some kind of, it's not a it, sure thing. It's again, it's, it's not still not the same as pegging it against the U.S. dollar. You could still have people, you know, freaking out. Like, and it's happened to die in the past too. It's not like it hasn't happened to die. But it's interesting that this whole freak out with UST, I don't know if people got confused with Tether being UST or not, but there was also a freak out in USDT too where people were trying to get out of Tether, going to like DAI and USDC, and it actually caused the Tether peg to drop below a dollar for a little while too. You know, interesting observation about kind of like the different types of stable coins. What I've seen and, and you know, what you've seen as well is, you know, these algorithmic stable coins don't work. I mean, look at Faye and Iron, right? There was another stable coin called Faye, which again, you know, that was a pretty horrible situation as well, where just it lost its peg and lots of people lost money. Um, but like I said, going back to, to MIM, you know, magic internet money, you know, their protocol, again, this is another type of stable coin that's pretty common, is that they're collateral based, right? So, um, if you, you know, for example, you can put in collateral like Ethereum into MIM and you can mint MIM based on the amount of Ethereum put in, right? And, and they maintain a certain threshold, like, you know, 50% liquidation ratio uh, or collateralization ratio. Uh, so if it drops by 50%, you can liquidate it, right? So in, in those kinds of, you know, stable coins, I think maybe it works okay because the bulk of MIM's collaterals are, are, are pretty high. I guess they're fairly high quality because the peg hasn't really dropped. Uh, even during this wild swing, whereas like something algorithmic like Luna, it's it, the ca- cascading effect is is, is disastrous. Um, so I think that's the that's what I'm seeing here is like you're seeing a a a stable a very large very large stablecoin. Mim is very very big. It's multi billion dollars, and um, you know I I think that's probably the biggest difference is the underlying collateral that's kind of backing these coins is really is really what separates uh um you know a, a quality stablecoin versus a non-quality stablecoin I, I don't i don't know if i'd use the word quality but i mean i definitely think that it makes it it makes a difference you know yeah. what's backing it well just um, le- just learning how to decipher right I, I think digging into it a little bit more uh this this was a good opportunity to, to kind of show everybody not all stable coins are built the same way and do your homework yeah do your I, homework I, like Roy said, avoid the algorithmic algorithmic ones and maybe stay close to the ones with hard assets backing it, like like you know USDC, maybe Tether, maybe Gemini. I don't know about Tether because I guess it's questionable what is in the S. Yeah, right. Sounds a little I about Tether, but like Gemini dollar is probably good. Yeah, yeah. but you I know think- what? If Tether if Tether is not not backed very well, then that's a whole big systemic problem right there. Oh gosh, yeah. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. all of crypto, it is yeah. uh, emotionally. Uh, you guys got way more in this market than I do. Emotionally, you guys share a little bit your experience in this last uh, week to two weeks to last three months or so. I've been 
I mean, I think Royce and I are battle tested, man. We've we've been in this long enough to see a lot of different swings. Um, you know, back in 2017, 2018, there was a massive crash, and you know, it was painful. But you know, we've seen how bad things can get. So when you know when times are good, it's great, and when times are bad, it's like this. You know, it's just, you know, it's like chaos. But I think you just kind of hold on, you know, just to like you try to stay calm and make good decisions based on what you believe because the underlying the underlying assumptions that you make don't really change overnight. I mean, crypto prices could drop 50% overnight, but if, if your conviction and your belief in what you purchased, if this is an investment, then you can't look at it the way that you would look at like trading, you know, day trading, for example. Um, you know, if you're just trading this thing, then of course this is very different, but I think Royce and I are kind of like the mindset of investing in this. Mm-hmm. Royce, what do you, let's say you. I would say that in the last two years, uh, it's it's been very different uh, because for the most part, crypto and really, I guess, any other, uh, any other asset has, other than March 2020, has gone, has pretty much gone up, you know, like, or, you know, there haven't been many big drawdowns. Like before in like 2018, even in 2017, crypto, 2016, like you would see days where crypto could be down 30% on any given asset. Uh, and there were tons of days where you look across the board and everything's red, everything's down 30%, 40%. And I was telling Ken that man, it's been so long since I've seen a day like that in crypto recently that I almost forgot that's the kind of stuff that used to happen all the time. Uh, but it still, it still sucks when it does happen. It's still, you know, there's still a lot of people that are that are hurting from it. And that I think to me, that's the one takeaway from this is that I guess similar to 2017, too, when things started getting, you know, really popular or, you know, prices started going up. You know, you saw a lot of people with a lot of hubris and like when Lambo and all this stuff. And I feel like this is this this cycle. It was the same thing over again. You know, there are a lot of people that were really um cocky or arrogant even uh and you know people were looking at this the terra founder too this guy Joel Kwan you know his his twitter timeline was full of kind of like little snide remarks or you know even arrogant kinds of remarks and now i don't think it's the time for that kind of stuff like i think it's important to realize that like at the end of the at the end of the day like all these people on twitter and all these people that are going through this stuff, like they're all people, you know, like, and, and you know, there are people that are, they're hurting out there right now. Yeah. I, I think, I think I, my perspective is going to be probably pretty similar to a lot of the people or closer to kind of what other people that are listening to this podcast are going through. My guess is that we got some people listening. They're just trying to learn a little bit about the market. The only thing I can speak for myself is when I watched this and I saw this coming down, I mean, in that sense, I felt the very much very the same way as you guys did. The whole reason why I got into this market was I believe this market's going to hold. I believe this market's going to be here for the long run, and I very much have a long term uh, perspective on things. And because of my experience in, in in investing in everything else, like look at the stock market for example. If I had to draw an analogy to the drop we we just felt right now, where I watch things like curve just dump below a dollar at some point in time and just saw see these levels just drop. You know, it's one of those things where this almost reminds me of when we had the housing crisis and the, and the stock market crash that came with it where 
with this crazy whipsaw action for o- over a, a two to three day span as people got washed out, weekends got washed out, people got margin calls, all these type of things that come in. And, you know, we were texting today, the three of us, where I mentioned an article about Bill Miller, who was just, a, you know, a longtime Wall Street investor. He got margin called on his Bitcoin and he had to, and he got called out and he had to cover his calls. And, you know, we were talking about the leverage, you know, that people have on cryptos. But, you know, always keeping in mind that, you know, places like hedge funds and all these other other types of investors, they, everything they do is on leverage. So it's just one of these things where when a price collapses, people get caught out. It just is what it is. And it's funny how I think this whole time things were going down, I never felt a sense of panic. I just kind of sat there and be like, well, like last time we felt something like this, it was a time to buy. And like any other time in any other asset, when we buy low, it stinks. But you know, everyone's got to do your homework and decide what you want to do with this. You can just hold on for dear life and and hope this is coming back, or you look at this as an opportunity, or you look at this as a way to just get out of the market. What do you guys think? When the tide goes out, you see who's swimming naked. <laughs> that's, that's what I think about that margin margin thing, dude. <laughs> it's really it's just Warren it's, it's it's you know people shake out weak hands, right? We you know it's just how strong uh, how strong do you believe in this crypto mm-hmm. you know in, investment thesis, right? Mm-hmm. And you know I have a I have a really good friend who um, bought Bitcoin at like a dollar, less than a dollar, um, and he bought he put like a ton of money in it, and to this day he hasn't sold. To my knowledge, at least, hasn't sold any any of his bitcoins, and this was probably back in 2010, 2000, around God. that time. That's so, a dozen years ago. That's not even that long ago. Yeah, he, he hasn't sold he hasn't sold a single bitcoin. According, uh, I mean, as far as I know, I, don't, I mean, I don't know for sure, but that's what he, he says, and I believe him. You know, he's not the kind of person who would who would do, who brags about that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I was you know, and so if he had sold at any point where it dipped or dropped he wouldn't have nearly as much money as he has now because during that those 12 years there's been like tons of crime i mean we're talking about like the mount gox we're talking about you know the 2017 you know crazy you know 18 um you know uh dumps and he just said you know what it is what it is i mean you know and he believes in this thing so much that he just he's like you know what it's just noise to him so there's people like him right that just mm-hmm. and, and like I said, if he played the swings like you know some people do, like I said, he would have sold a long time ago, and probably he probably sold like fifty bucks, you know, and, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't have how much whatever he has right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the other way I look at this too is I look at a stock like you know, if I bring it to the stock market to bring a an example, I look at a stock like Amazon. You know, I had a cousin of mine who used Amazon as his thesis in his in uh, his undergrad back in the nineties. Uh, for this is the stock to invest in because it's going to eventually be, if you guys remember what GE was like in the 90s, this is the next GE. He was just, you know, he just kind of made his pitch for it. He, and he actually invested in it at that time. And, you know, he enjoyed the ride, the initial ride up. He sold out of it. And then ever since then, he's always talks about woulda, coulda, shoulda, if he just held on. But I remind him that there were two more opportunities after the dot-com bubble burst where you could have got into Amazon at a very, very low level. If you truly believe 
in what you researched and what the thesis was behind that investment to begin with, you run with it and you decide to go. And, you know, again, it isn't for the faint of heart. Like all these things that we do in investments, everything is to your comfort level, what you understand and what you believe. And, you know, it's it's such a big game of psychology that we kind of watch in all these markets, whether it's housing, whether it's stocks, whether it's cryptocurrency. Psychology is a big driver behind a lot of these things. So let me share with you a little bit of what I think about kind of the long-term thesis of crypto, right? Um, you know, if you just ignore all the hype and noise and, and FUD, mm-hmm. if you just look at the underlying system of crypto, for example, Bitcoin, Bitcoin has an inflation rate of 1.77%. That's mm-hmm. before the next halving. So in May of 2024, which is about, I don't know, like 19 months from now, or 23, less than two years from now, it's going to be half of that. It's going to be 0.9 or 0.8 something percent inflation. Now, that's a tenth of what we're facing right now in the U.S. Economy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. If you, look at, if you look at that, just based on that, right, The all things being equal, I mean, you've got one asset, dollars, which is, you know, probably going to depreciate because the buying power of your dollar is going to go down by 8%, assuming inflation stays high, whereas your Bitcoin doesn't really, you know, its inflation is 1.7%. It's going to go, keep going down. You know, I think that in itself is is really interesting. I mean, that's why a lot of people got into Bitcoin was just it was kind of like a hedge, you know, against um, the inflation and, and how things are you know going up in price and everything. I mean, and I think if you look at Ethereum, it's the same way, right? Ethereum's, you know, their proof of stake, Ethereum 2.0, I think they call it the merge now or Ethereum, the next, new Ethereum that's coming out. I think uh, they're saying around August, September, whatever the next version of Ethereum will be is going to decrease the inflation down to like less than 1%. So, you know, if you just look at these assets, the, the, the expansion of the supply is, is very, like percentage-wise, is very small compared to like, you know, the inflation that's going on in, in the economy today. So I think that's really a very, to me, it's a very uh, compelling reason to invest. Because if you invested in it, it I, to me, it does feel like an inflation hedge just because of the economics of those assets, how, how, it's, how it functions. Yeah, so speaking about Bitcoin, Ken, why don't you tell us about this friend you know that is that is very that is very well known in Bitcoin circles. So I I was telling Royce the other day. I called him up. Uh, I was in the car and I said, Royce, I just found out I've met Satoshi Nakamoto. I have met him. Oh, this is huge. The and king. I have. I I know okay. him. I know who okay. he is, and I uh-huh. I actually personally know who he is, and and and. I met him, okay. and so uh, I think this was back in not probably not. Yeah, no, sorry, not not only did you meet him, <laughs> but, but he was my coworker. Go, yeah, go on. He was my coworker. I worked with him. So in 1997 to 99, I worked at a company called Nortel Networks, and my my older brother and I, I you know, my older brother was already there. He's the one that introduced me to the company, and I and I joined. Right after I got out of college, and we carpooled with this guy in Temple City. So, because uh, Nortel was in Simi Valley, so it was a very long drive. So it was like a fifty mile drive each way. So we we carpooled with Dorian, uh, Dorian uh, Nak- Satoshi, Dorian Satoshi Nakamoto. <laughs> so um, 
Gigwan. He's like a kind of a goofy guy, you know, like um, definitely peculiar. It wasn't like a, it wasn't super like social or, um, but he was cool. I mean, I, I, you know, we got along. We we had nice car rides where we talked and he's, he's older than, than me or my brother at the time. And we carpooled like, you know, a couple times a week. So uh, it was pretty wild because <laughs> like when I found out much later, I'm like, hey, wait a minute. I know that guy. Um, he looks so familiar. I'm like, I finally, I saw, I saw a picture of him and I'm like, oh my gosh. I think I know that guy. And then we, I went to, I talked to my brother and then uh, I found out some more stories about him. He actually tried dating my sister-in-law. So my brother's, <laughs> my sister-in-law used to work at North as well. That's how, that's where they met. And um, he, she was, he was telling me that uh, he tried to ask her out at the company. Uh, he was divorced, but he was, he was interested in, in my brother's wife. Who's, uh, he's, he was Japanese and you know, my, my sister-in-law is also Japanese. And so he actually tried <laughs> asking her out. Uh, I just thought it was pretty wild. Like, you know, you know what? What are the chances I actually met Satoshi Nakamoto? <laughs> so just a, just a little background on that. Like back in what was it? Like twenty was it twenty thirteen or twenty fifteen? The I think it was Newsweek came out with an article where they you know, revealed the result of their investigation to find Satoshi Nakamoto. And the guy that they identified who was the inventor of Bitcoin was Dorian Satoshi Nakamoto from Temple City. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so oh. Ken, knows, Ken knows the man. Alle- allegedly. <laughs> I know the legend. I know I've met Satoshi Nakamoto. Well, he goes by Dorian. So Dorian, I met Dorian. You met Dorian. I met Dorian. <laughs> Dorian, yes. I, Dorian, I, I, Dorian. I met him. We talked. We had we had these car rides. Uh, he was a very interesting guy. I think he lived with his mother at the time. It is uh, cute. It was interesting. It was like this. Yeah, really interesting guy. <laughs> but just just for the record, though, he he denied being Satoshi Nakamoto. Well, he has publicly <laughs> he has publicly no. denied it. Yeah, he has publicly denied it. At first, he confirmed it, and then I think he clarified later that, "Oh no, 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 that's not what I meant." Um, but I think at first, I think that's how that article got written was because he, I think he accidentally or maybe mistakenly confirmed that he wasn't Toshi. Yeah, so, something like that. They they asked him like, "Hey, are you the inventor of some product?" And he said, "Like, yeah, but he can't talk about it anymore." Something like that. So wait. So on that note, Ken, is this the last time we're ever going to hear from you or see you then if you're outing him? Like, are you going to get taken out at some point in time if he's just keeping this a secret? <laughs> I don't think so, man. I don't think so. Um, you know, the funny, funny, like, funny story with uh, Satoshi as well, like with Dorian, is that um, I think one of the guys that are that was um, uh, linked to Bitcoin, like being Satoshi, was, was Hal Finney, uh, who also lived in Temple City which I found fascinating. You know, two guys that were suspected of being Satoshi both lived in the same city. Like, what are the odds of that happening, right? <laughs> and, and Temple City is not a big city. It's a pretty small. It's like a little small little city. You know, it's not a, it's not a huge, like not like New York City or anything. So Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize how Finney lived in uh, Temple City. Yeah, yeah. So they lived close. And so that's that's where I thought, you know, if Hal Finney really did know Satoshi or did know um, Dorian, Maybe he used his name to create it. You know, like, I mean, they might have been linked there. I, I just thought that was really fascinating. That, huh. guys, yeah, yeah. I mean, what are the odds? A name Satoshi and the guy who also, uh, to personally, 
I think my 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 like conspiracy theory is that I think Halfway is he he probably is Satoshi. He probably created he he passed, but um I think he probably mailed the, the private key to his wallet to his daughter or something like that. <laughs> maybe in like a, maybe in like fifty years he'll he'll should get a letter or something in the future, you know, like, hey, here's the the passphrase or or the key, the private key <laughs> to, the, to the wallet, you know, like who knows? Who knows? It's, who knows? Maybe one day we'll find out. Yeah. Well that that's a pretty cool story, Ken. I mean I think during such a turbulent time in the market and, you know, people looking for answers, the people wondering what to do. I think that's a great way to end this episode here. Uh, final thoughts, though. Ken, we'll start with you. Any Anything that you want to say? Any other thoughts you want to say before we sign out here? Uh, you know, I think if there's people who are panicking and, and scared or one of the most important things with investing is not to make emotional decisions. And when you're emotional or, you know, scared or um you know not thinking straight because things are just crashing um the person you know human instinct kicks in and you just start reacting and you start making you know decisions like oh i just let me just dump everything right um and that's a really bad way to make a decision so you know to those who are you know who are going through this kind of wild ride you know just take a step back take a deep breath you know, make a rational decision, make a, make a decision that's, that makes sense to you in your situation. Don't just go and, and react because that's how people make mistakes. So, you know, I'm not saying that ultimately you might make the same decision still, but it's always good to kind of stick, take, take a step back, take a deep breath, you know, clear your mind and then, and then look at it objectively and then see what you would, would do then. So that's kind of my advice to people who are investing today and especially in cryptos because it's pretty wild. Ricey? Yeah. I just want to say that, uh, you know, there's always opportunities. You know, there'll be opportunities today. There'll be opportunities tomorrow. So it's never, you know, it's never like there won't be, you know, another opportunity to, you know, make money back or you know, anything like that. Uh, the other thing I want to say is thank you to all our listeners all around the world. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, I hope you get some entertainment or some usefulness out of this podcast. And if you guys wanted more details on the Sak- Satoshi story, just let me know, man. I can I can give you some more juice. <laughs> hey, story oh, I've got hey, drive drive you guys. You know what? We have an Instagram page. You guys got questions? <laughs> just DM us those questions. We'll bring Kenye back on to address these questions. You know who knows? Who knows? Hundred percent true story, though. I'm not making this up. Really, his happy. buddy, his buddy Dorian, my buddy Dorian. <laughs> I wouldn't say buddy, but I did. I did meet him before. And you know, and this may be the last thing you guys hear of Ken, so it's okay. Let's not get that far. Right? <laughs> it's funny. Okay, well, thanks again for listening, everybody. We're we're gonna try to get out here a little more regularly than we talked about at the beginning of the the year here, and uh, this is our effort to do that. So, thanks again for listening. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Thanks for having me.